Hey, 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 welcome to the Land of Enlightenment podcast. I am your host, Oscar Duran. Hope you all are doing well. It's been about a month, a little, maybe a little bit more since we last spoke, and that's probably intentional, taking some time, but also um, dropping the cadence down to about once a month so I can focus on life stuff, but also be more intentional with what I'm putting out there, specifically uh, highlighting nonprofits, whether they're local or nationally based ones. Um, I'm interviewing individuals from those organizations that I know personally or have made connections with and then highlighting their experience, but also the organizations in hopes of bringing, you know, their mission to light and getting them exposure. It's very important for me to help people. And a lot of the time, I well, I think I've come to, to realize and understand that um, a big part of what I do is making things accessible and, and educating and creating public scholarship about things that exist or issues, etc. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, at least for the foreseeable future, it may shift back. Who knows? We shall see, you know, just kind of keep rolling. But, um, this episode, I decided to interview Nicolette Garcia. Uh, she's an individual that I've known since we were teenagers in high school. Uh, great, great, uh, person works with the Alzheimer's Association uh, here in New Mexico and does uh, a lot of their development. So we highlighted that, highlighted the, the disease of Alzheimer's and looked into dementia, um, went over the resources and services they provide, as well as debunking some of the myths around um, dementia and Alzheimer's. So hopefully this is an informative episode for you all. I hope that you all are able to contribute to that organization. They do have uh, walks coming up uh, on the national level. Uh, you just have to go to their website, which I will link um, anywhere you find this episode. Make sure to go uh, sign up and maybe you can get your your team at work to, to get involved, to fundraise and do a walk uh, for Alzheimer's research, development, um, and advocacy. So um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Uh, remember that I love you guys and that there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Bye. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited um, to be here. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I've known you for years, but usually I have guests come who come on the show quickly, in their own words, introduce themselves. Like, so who are you and what do you do? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do go back high school Valley days, right? Mm -hmm. Valley alumni. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my name is Nicolette Garcia. I am the director of development for the Alzheimer's Association New Mexico chapter. We are a national organization that has local community presence, right? So we're the New Mexico chapter. And um, yeah, I guess I could tell you a little bit about how I got yeah. here. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A big part of what we what I'm doing is um, obviously highlighting the organization, but also right. your journey, right? Because you are in, you are the reason I reached out. I've yeah. seen what you've done, um, but also um, you are working with this organization. So, you know, I think at the insider perspective as well is important. Um, but yeah, a little bit about you. You're from New Mexico, yep. right? 
Yep. Born and raised. <laughs> yep. Born and raised in New Mexico. Okay. I, um, I'm like a lot of other millennials, you know, after high school, after college, I had a choice to stay or go. Right. Which a uh -huh. lot of us went, a lot of us stayed, right. What did we do? And I decided to stay in New Mexico to try to help my okay. community be reach its potential. Right. I think New Mexico mm -hmm. has so much that is untapped and that just has sure. a very, uh, it's just special to me, not just because I'm from here. I think a lot of people see that and experience that when they come to New Mexico. So I wanted to stay. And so after college, I got involved, you know, like most, I think, uh, millennials, millennials do in, mm -hmm. you know, um, politics and just getting elected officials into positions where, um, they would have impact and that I would feel like I was actually having a significant impact in my community. Okay. Tried that. Wasn't for me. Um, definitely okay. Okay. Battled, got out. And so nonprofit just was a better fit for me. I came to the Alzheimer's Association actually for the personal uh, reason. I was my grandfather's um, caregiver the last four years of his life. So oh, when I was going okay. to UNM, yeah, when I was going to UNM, um, I was living with my grandparents um, and they, you know, it's a very like Hispanic family thing. I was living in the apartment above the garage, right. While going to college because uh, okay. it was free rent. Right. Yeah. And my grandparents yeah. were happy to help out, but I started noticing things with my grandpa that I, I kind of was like, grandpa's not okay. Um, it's mm -hmm. not just normal aging. Something is going on here. Right. Um, sure, sure enough, he got the diagnosis and um, he passed away. Uh, about four years later in the middle stages of the disease, but it was due to complications to the flu. So he didn't actually pass away from Alzheimer's disease, which is, I mean, that does happen. Um, your the immune system is completely mm -hmm. wrecked when you have that disease, right? So you're more susceptible to viruses. And in this case, he did get the flu and he passed away from pneumonia, but yeah. it changed yeah. my life because at a very okay. young age, I experienced something that was so, I mean, I'm going to use the word traumatizing as a, you know, a 23 year old, 24 year old young mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. I uh, was 24 seven caring for someone that could not care for themselves. And that was actually yeah. a danger to themselves if they were not cared for. Right. So it was just a huge burden on me. And absolutely. You were young, yeah. right? You were very young when that, when all that happened. That's very, yeah. I think we're all, many of us are impacted at different points, but I, you know, and I have my own anecdotes as well. Um, but more than anything, I, you know, I want to touch on how you, you as a person, you've always seemed to have had that kind of uh, desire to help others that you help your community. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? That's a really good question. I've actually never thought about it, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you kind of got me there. Um, I think yeah. that I see, I see improvements. I see like, I, it's almost like a problem solving thing in my head where it's like, okay. Hey, I, I see where the improvement can help people. Like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Right. Like mm -hmm. what's stopping us from making it happen. And just that drive to have change and then actually seeing the impact, I guess it's all about just like self-fulfillment and, and reward in a way, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. I, I truly find joy in seeing positive impacts in people's lives. Right. So I think I've okay. always had that even as a teenager, mm -hmm. when you and I knew each other, you know, like yeah. I, I've yeah. always had that and um, it's pushed me to where I'm at now, which is with the organization and um, having mass scale impact now. So it's, yeah. 
Okay. It served me well. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, many people have um, are surrounded by that early on, and it's it's rarely. I mean, I, I would say even like in your case, uh, as was mine, it's not until you're impacted directly that you really start paying attention to whatever specific issue or cause, um, right? And uh, it sounds like that's what it was for you. Um, which is very important. What did you, what did you, I mean, want to be when you grew up? What did you study in college? That's a great question. Um, so I actually wanted to work um, for the uh, Department of State. I wanted to work at embassies around the world. I wanted to work for mm -hmm. the UN, something in international relations, right? Because that's what my um, undergraduate, my bachelor's degree is in international relations and my master's is in international security. So I mm -hmm. definitely wanted to be in that realm definitely did not land there. And I'm okay with that. I think a part of yeah. me still has like a little bit of, you know, there's mm -hmm. a little burn for that, but I um, wouldn't change what I'm doing for anything. It's definitely where I should be. Absolutely. So I think a big part of, you know, I'm curious as to how, at what point, you know, what, besides, was it just your grandfather or was there something that happened, I guess, in your career that really kind of directed you in this other direction. Um, yeah, I actually mm -hmm. will be completely transparent and honest with you. I was really yeah. disenchanted with um, some of the elected officials I worked with and for, some of the um, government departments I worked with and for, and how they did not value um, myself as a young professional in, um, as an expert in my field. And I just felt like, no matter what I put in a report, it's not going to make a difference in changing what that person is going to decide to do. So I kind of felt like my hands were tied and I didn't feel valued and I didn't feel like I was making the difference I wanted to make because there was so much um, bureaucratic politics happening yeah. that I just thought I'm not even going to uh, go into that. I'm going to go into a, a realm that mm -hmm. I can have a direct impact and my voice will matter. Yeah, I mean, that makes absolute sense. And it's very similar to my experience in realizing that it's, it's not that they want to fix the world. It's that they, it's it, the, the, issue, the issues are very solvable. It's that they don't, you know, it's a money thing, right? right? It's kind of a business, government is business, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, right? Exactly. And there's no desire. It's not profitable to, to solve these issues. Because yes, if you solve the issues, then then what are they going to get reelected on? <laughs> we'll right? have anything to, to campaign on. <laughs> yeah, or all these different things, whether it's at the international level, et cetera. So, I mean, there's so much going on in the world, but I won't bother with that. So how was that transition? Was this the first nonprofit that you worked for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was uh -huh. definitely interesting. So, yeah, it was like kind of a perfect storm between being totally disenchanted and happy with the career I was mm -hmm. in. My grandfather passing away from the disease, um, sure, with sure. the disease, and that was kind of like a no-brainer. I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if the Alzheimer's Association has something available because mm -hmm. I had utilized their resources when I was a mm -hmm. caregiver. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't care what what position it is. I think I just want to work there. Like, I don't care what I'm doing, you know. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is the first nonprofit I've ever worked for. And I've been with the organization. I'm going into my fourth year. Four years. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's amazing. So, I mean, before Alzheimer's is quite the topic and people have like a big, kind of a um, very big, big picture idea of what it is. Right. Right. 
how much did you know before jumping in? Well, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately for me, I knew quite a bit. I knew more than a, than a you know, than a 28 year old should know about Alzheimer's and dementia. Right, right. You know what I mean? And about the disease process, about disease impact, not just on the individual, but on families, on the economy. I, I knew way more than I should have known. Um, but and I, I, you know, it was because of my experience with my own family and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that um, there, there is a lot of um, misunderstanding regarding the disease. You know, I think yeah. still in our communities here in New Mexico, there's still a lot of uh, notions that, oh, grandpa's just old, right? Grandma's just, mm-hmm. that's just what happens when people get old. They just assume that that's normal and that grandpa just forgets things or grandpa or grandma walks around in her bathrobe all day long, right? Like whatever it may be. Yeah, they, that's it's just what old kind people of written, do. It's a stigma, right? right? It's kind it's of written, written off. off as like, mm-hmm. that's just what happens and grandma's crazy. But yeah. And, and no one wants to talk yeah. about it. No one wants to go to the doctor, but they don't want to know. They don't want to find out. And so at the association, yeah. yeah. we're trying to kind of combat that and really do some really strong concern and awareness campaigns, mass marketing to kind of get the word out there that it's okay. You may have mm-hmm. this and it's okay. And it doesn't mean that um, you should be embarrassed. It means that you need help. And there's lots yeah. of resources and help to help you go through this journey of Alzheimer's, you're not alone, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's very, it's, it's interesting that you, what, I guess that, you know, what, what makes me, what the thought that comes to mind is when you say that people perceive that just being an old person's behavior, mm-hmm. um, how much of this do you feel is cultural and how much does culture get in the way of, would you say, or, or kind of hold people back from getting help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are definitely, I think, cultural um, barriers when it mm-hmm. comes to this disease and a lot of different sure. um, facets of it. I mean, one of them just being like uh, getting a diagnosis, right? Going to the doctor. I, yeah. I think there is a stigma and I think there's a lot of um, cultural, I guess, norms that play into families, either how they deal with the disease, whether it's not getting a diagnosis, whether it's just... Um, accepting and writing it off as something that is normal, whether it's Mm -hmm. even caring, right? I feel Mm -hmm. like that's part of um, Hispanic Latino culture. We, I mean, it wasn't really an option for my grandpa to go to a home, even though now in my capacity, I work with so many long-term care facilities and they're all amazing. And if I look going back, I totally would have, if I, if I had known then what I know now totally would have, should have been an option for the family. Yeah. But as a Hispanic family, we yeah. was like, Oh no, we can't put grandpa in a home. Like that's like it's our, very family, pride, oriented, you know, our family right? pride. No, we don't do that. Right. To yeah. our, to our elders. And so I do think there's a, like I said, there's a lot that goes into that kind of those cultural, um, I don't want to call them barriers. That's the wrong word. I can't think of the word right now, but definitely they're, they're factors, cultural just, factors. They're, I mean, they're challenges, right? Yeah. They're not, they're not, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a yeah. bad thing because culture is a very important thing, but um, sometimes, yeah. And I think that it comes with like this, uh, this desire to decolonize, right. Ourselves, which yeah. is very important, but how do you kind of um, mitigate that with, you know, this idea of just Western medicine and this stuff that some of this is very helpful, especially when it comes to end of life 
elder age sort of stuff, right? That everyone really goes through. Right. Um, not everyone gets, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or, or all these diagnoses. Um, some people are fine until the very end. But what I think what I've noticed with end of life, everyone starts slipping with their memory at the end, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a normal part of, of life. Yeah. Cognitive decline is a hundred percent normal. We are all going to get cognitive decline where we see, and okay. uh, if we can get into the science of Alzheimer's or dementia, the, mm-hmm. the difference between normal cognitive decline, which is what you're talking about as we age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the older we get, it's going to happen. The difference we see with dementia and Alzheimer's is some, there's a morphological change in the brain that happens with these diseases that is not normal cognitive decline. So there's kind of, you know, it, it's it's accelerated. It veers at some point Mm -hmm. and you now are experiencing symptoms that are a, a, a result of this morphological change in the neurotransmitter in the brain. Okay. It's very interesting. So can you, can you, I mean, I'm assuming you've learned a lot. You've been there for four years and uh, there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of medical, there's a big medical aspect. Right. And I mean, the research, do you feel equipped to maybe answer some of these questions, field some of these questions? I will do my best. And I'm definitely (laughs) not afraid to tell you, I don't know the answer officer. So I'll get, I'll get back to you. So we can, I'll definitely do my best. We are one thing about our organization is we are, we are definitely data-driven in a science-based organization. You know, mm-hmm. um, we have, I mean, j- just currently we're investing over $250 million and over um, 750 projects in 39 countries in research, right? Mm-hmm. So they try to keep us as employees, as um, kind of ambassadors of the organization, as versed as pos- as well-versed as possible in the science and the yeah. research we do quarterly research um, webinars to stay up to date on what's happening. So I'm going to do my best. And if I don't know, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So it's, um, you know, I, I, my, the one person that I know personally, I mean, that, that, that got dementia and Alzheimer's was my great grandmother. She passed away December. I, I remember vividly it was 10, um, or 11, December 26, 1999, right? I remember it because it was right before Y2K. Um, and that's scary. But she, um, you know, she, she was, she quickly forgot like a lot of stuff. I mean, she had had it for years, but she started forgetting how to like, um, she couldn't speak after a while and she, but she was able to walk around. She confused me for my father. I, I remember I have some very good memories of her, but my entire life she had dementia. Right? right. So it was a very interesting kind of experience for me to ever interact with this person as a completely different human than how my, the rest of my family knew her. Right. Um, but there was a lot of myths I feel in my family as to how she got it. Mm. So they would, you know, and I feel like debunking these myths is very important. Um, there, there was this idea that she was using a specific kettle way too long. And it was like a, a type of metal poisoning, right? Stuff like that. And there's, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's tons of stuff out there and there's stuff that I've read, you know, with the impact of sleep and not right. being like the main cause, but not helping it. Right. So right. Uh, is there a root to it? Is there a cause? So as of right now, we don't have a definitive answer on what is the cause of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
dementia or Alzheimer's specifically, um, with the exception of, uh, no, there is no exception yet. I'm, we're a little bit closer when it comes to like vascular dementia, because we know vascular mm. dementia is caused from, um, you know, the cardiovascular system, right? I mean, it, oh. it happens when fluctuations in blood pressure, it happens. Um, sometimes people experience temporary vascular dementia where, if they've had like a stroke or something, you know, and it's a temporary mm -hmm. thing. So that's kind of a separate category than some of the other forms of dementia and specifically Alzheimer's. Um, so the answer mm -hmm. is we still don't know the cause. We do know what is causing it in the brain, but we don't know what causes that in the brain. So let me, let me explain that. So yeah. there are two proteins that we've identified to be the root cause uh, biologically mm -hmm. in the brain for Alzheimer's disease. And it's the, okay. the um, amyloid and the tau proteins that build yeah. up on the neurotransmitters. And it's basically like plaque. That's the way it looks like yeah. in some of the, the reports that we see and some of the um, graphics that we see, it's basically plaque that builds up around the um, the neuron and the neurotransmitters, the tentacles that hang down from the neuron that spark the signals to communicate. Um, and what happens is the plaque eventually takes over the whole neuron and the neurotransmitter and eventually the whole thing disintegrates and mm. it's no longer a functioning cell in the body, in the brain. And so when, for example, with your great grandmother, Mm -hmm. She was able to walk, right? But you said she couldn't speak, speak, right? Yeah. Which would be, which is kind of an interesting thing because it's like, well, she has the motor function capability to walk, but not to speak. What's going on? And that is because that specific chain of neurons that that control speaking were gone, but the other parts weren't, right? So mm -hmm. we're not sure how it targets clusters in the brain. Sure. You know, the, the the neuron clusters. We're not really sure why that's happening, or I mean, what, how that, how it goes about attacking different um, mm -hmm. clusters in the brain, but it's in the works right now. We mm -hmm. are at a level of funding Alzheimer's and dementia disease research, like no other time in history. And so okay. we're our organization specifically, we're the number one funder outside of governments, mm -hmm. um, the number one funder outside of governments to fund um, disease research in this area. And so I, I think with how aggressive we're being and how aggressive we've been lobbying um, our, our separate uh, 501 uh, organization that has the ability to lobby in DC, how mm -hmm. aggressively we're lobbying for federal funding for research, we're close. We're gonna have oh. some more answers in the next decade. I can confidently say that, um, but right now we still don't know. I mean, one of the things they like to say when, we know for sure is what's good for the heart is good for the brain. So if you stick mm. to a heart healthy diet, um, it could mm. kind of ward off um, dementia or Alzheimer's disease, we think. Uh, so that's one thing that we do promote is like the Mediterranean diet and heart healthy diets. And mm -hmm. th that we do know there's a correlation between brain health and heart health. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah. And uh, you know, that it kind of, it's in tandem with what I've, what I've read. I'm obsessed yeah. with this this book called Why We Sleep, and wow. um, it's very interesting. And there's a whole part on there on how kind of demonstrating studies as to why um, why the plaque builds up, right? Effectively, people not getting the last portion, the last you know portion of sleep, the last 
the REM sleep maybe is that right right something along the lines of um you have certain so many cycles REM cycles right 90 minute cycles over the night um and not every single cycle is equal there's different things that happen at different ones so but if you're skipping the last one if you're waking up early right and cutting your sleep short effectively that's when the quote-unquote power wash of the brain happens yeah the plaque you know is kind of cleaned right um and this, again, this is just a, a, I'm, I'm hoping that it's, you know, he, he does read his research. So I'm hoping it's accurate. Right. But it could be, we don't know. That could be yeah. a very promising um, a direction that right. could show results in the next decade. I mean, any yeah. kind of, any researchers game right now, I think there's a uh, lot, a lot out there. This yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Well, I will say the downside, the downside, and I don't, I don't know if you agree with me, but the, it mentions that, you know, um, so you can't get just just as you can't catch up with sleep once lost sleep is lost right, right. um so the downside is as well that you um if you build up plaque you know and you start getting dementia you can't reverse it but you can um slow it down correct or hopefully prevent it from happening beforehand right is that is that something that research is aware of on your end as far as what you all know like it's not reversible but it's it's you can slow it down and prevent it effectively so we can uh your current yeah that is correct that it is non-reversible mm-hmm. um as far as slowing it down um that is kind of the latest uh treatment uh therapy is mm-hmm. the, you know the medication to slow down side mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. as of today um, well, before um, this latest drug hit the market, uh, the only mm. medications that were out there only treated symptoms. It didn't actually treat the disease process itself, right? They were all psychotropics that would maybe help with agitation, anxiety, sleeping. None of them really yeah. addressed the root cause. Um, so recently with, some, with the newest med- drug medication that's out there, and I know it's kind of controversial, um, but it, it, it has, the FDA did approve it for slowing down, right? Giving, mm-hmm. giving, um, giving Alzheimer's patients or, or people facing the disease a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think right. more medications are going to come in the future. I don't think this yeah. will be the last time we hear of a, of a medication that can slow down the process. Right. Now we're also, I also know that there's a lot of research about complete prevention. Right. And so mm-hmm. as of right now, we don't have any complete. Yeah. No, there's nothing conclusive that shows that. Yeah. That can, that can, that you can do that. I mean, there's a lot of controversy around this medication even. Right. So definitely if you're listening to this consult with a doctor, <laughs> we're not experts, right. I could read all the no, books and yep, you can work would, at the organization. Like, consult with your physician. Yeah. Make sure it's a choice for you and your family. Yeah, um, I yeah. would like to publicly say, since we are doing this, that the Alzheimer's association is not, um, in favor of the cost of this medication. Mm. Um, we are actually advocating with the drug company Biogen to reduce the cost of the medication because we don't think that it is appropriate for um, patient oh. use. Okay. What's the, um, is it it's just a ridiculous cost? Is that what that is? It's just not, uh, it's not accessible? It's- Complete, it completely ridiculous. Not even a little ridiculous. Complete fifty three thousand dollars. 
for like one dose or for like full treatment? Uh, no, for that's a good question. I believe it's for, <laughs> I believe it's for, um, I believe it's for one treatment, but it, but that, I mean, obviously that doesn't count for refill. So don't quote me on this. If someone's listening, please. Either way, it's ridiculous. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money. Don't know. Regardless, it's a lot of money. If it's for one treatment or for one pill, I'm not actually sure. Forgive me. I am on the development side of things. I'm a fundraiser, <laughs> but if anyone would like follow-up information, I will definitely yeah. send some stuff to Oscar and he can get it out to, um, you can get it out Everyone, to, your, to, your to the masses. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, it's, and this is more informative, right? So you getting back to the organization, that's kind of, uh, obviously what the, what the focus is, but the organization, what do you, what, what are some of your successes, I guess, and accomplishments in the community? What have you been able to do? Because it's a it's a national organization, it's international, right? So what I mean, when you focus maybe on New Mexico, what's what are some of your biggest accomplishments? Yeah, so we're actually just national, and I love that you said international because I would love for our organization to go <laughs> to go global, and I do think that might be in our future, but mm-hmm. I haven't heard any discussions about that. But okay. so at a local level, so our whole organization's like slogan is like in communities, right? We always hear our national leadership talk about in communities. It's so important for our organization to be in our communities and working with them on a day-to-day basis. Um, Mm -hmm. They like to say you should actually never be in your office because you're a community-based organization. You should always be out in the community. Mm -hmm. So specifically for New Mexico, um, I'll talk a little bit about my department. There are um, actually five different departments that have impact in the community. I'm development, so I oversee all of our fundraising events. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we fundraise the money to fuel the mission, right? To pay mm-hmm. for our concern and awareness campaigns, to yeah. pay for our care and support programs that we offer, um, to pay for our advocacy efforts at the state legislature in, um, in Santa Fe, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but some of the accomplishments we do is growing our walk to end Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. um, getting the word out there to families that might not know about us, who need us, and letting them know walk with us to celebrate your loved one, to Mm -hmm. rally together, to stand up and say, I stand in the fight to end Alzheimer's and to know that you're not alone. Right. Yeah. Um, So we've been growing our walk now, gosh, so in 20, right before COVID, of course, the, the, the COVID, the dreaded COVID Um, right before COVID, we actually had our largest walk we've ever had. We had Mm. um, over 1400 participants in our walk to end Alzheimer's in Albuquerque. Yeah, it was huge. And we were on track to, to, to get to about 1800 in 2020, but of course COVID happened. So we weren't able to do our walk. Mm -hmm. Um, We are doing our walk this year though. So if you guys can, anyone out there can make it out it's going to be at mariposa park on october 9th that's um his west side i think taylor Taylor ranch right yep exactly taylor ranch um and anyway so our whole goal in development is just to grow our events and let people know and and get them engaged in fundraising but Mm -hmm. some of the more significant impacts we've had on actual community members um is going to be like our uh, amendment of the silver alert legislation. So in 20, mm. 2018, 
2018? No, it was early 2019. In the 2019 session, we were we were successful in getting the silver alert legislation amended to um, drop the age requirement to 55. Before that, it, I believe it was 65. And okay. the reason that's significant is because we have a whole group of individuals facing this disease. Um, it's called early onset or mm -hmm. just um, uh, people that are developing the disease a lot younger than mm -hmm. what most people would think. I mean, mm -hmm. we even have people in their 40s and 30s that have Alzheimer's disease in the state of New Mexico, yeah. which is like, what, in their 30s? Yeah. Right? So yeah. um, that's, that's us. <laughs> Uh, right, that is us. So it, it kind of changes how you look at this disease and you realize it's not a geriatric disease. It's it's a disease that yeah. may not have any boundaries. We're not sure, right? So um, the silver alert legislation is huge for us, but also um, our care and support programs that we offer around the, around the state. Um, we do support groups. We do dementia education. We do mm -hmm. caregiver education. Um, and we actually just recently, literally this morning, I had a meeting with um, Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office. Uh -huh. to have, we just partnered with them in a really huge way. I facilitated a um, multiple kind of pillar partnership where they're going to be training all of their sheriffs in dementia engagement. Um, they, did, they started a walk team and they're going to be mm -hmm. fundraising for us and they're going to do a PSA mm -hmm. to get the word out there. So it's just like a full mission yeah. partnership. And so mm -hmm. those are some of the things that I like to work on and that I'm proud of accomplishing for the organization and how yeah. it's having direct impact on the community. Oh, I forgot. I want to plug this, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plug. Sorry, but Marble. Marble is a huge part of um, Marble Brewery. Um, something that I'm proud of, I guess, that I've been able to facilitate is expanding our reach to a younger generation, to a, to maybe a demographic that wouldn't think that Alzheimer's should matter to them or what, mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't think to get involved with us. So Marble's been instrumental in getting the message out there. They actually brewed a purple beer for us in 2019. It's called okay. hashtag and alls. And um, they sold out of that beer within like two weeks. Um, okay. It was amazing. And we're doing it again this year. They're going to launch hashtag and alls on October 1st at all three locations. And okay. a dollar of every beer sold is coming back to the association. That's Fingers amazing. crossed, we'll get it canned and one day maybe distributed to just get that regularly. Like, huge awareness out there, right? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff um, that you all are doing and achieving, which is wonderful. It, you know, it, it but although at the same time, I'm sure there's been challenges, COVID being one of them. Um, how has, you know, this pandemic and COVID and more, more specifically the isolation impacted the organization, but also the, those with Alzheimer's. Right. Right. So we serve thousands of people across the state. Um, yeah. Most of those families have family caregivers. They're not people that are in um, memory care units or in long-term care facilities. A lot of them are at-home individuals. And so not having that regular um, access, I guess, um, in-person access to training 
I think did have an impact on some of our families. We did pivot pretty quickly to offer virtual classes, but unfortunately mm -hmm. the attendance was just really low for yeah. that. I think there's a bar technology barriers, um, even like right. internet broadband yeah. um, barriers yeah. in some of our rural parts of the state that yeah. we just have really, it's been a challenge and we've done our best to try to get those individuals the support and help they need. But of course it's impacted how we do support groups, how we do our dementia education classes, all of that. Um, and obviously it's impacted our events. We're an event fundraising organization, right? We depend on mm -hmm. our events to, um, to fuel our mission. And so across the board, just full impact on mm -hmm. the families mm -hmm. we serve, the individuals we serve, the partners we help. Um, and then of course, our actual organization, our staff, you know, we, we had to let go and downsize some of our team last year as well, just because the budget just, we weren't able to do what we normally yeah. do. Yeah. So. That makes absolute sense. I mean, that's, it's, it, it really impacted a lot of stuff and there's people that, yeah. you know, just couldn't go with services. Um, but I mean, I've, what sort of services, I mean, you're mentioning a lot of little things here. It sounds like there's groups on how to kind of manage this stuff. What sort of stuff do you all offer for the community? As far as like those types Servi of like services, yeah. What what yeah. do you provide? Yeah. So we provide, like I said, we do a one hour um, education class for family caregivers or even professional caregivers. Mm -hmm. We offer care consultations. Um, mm -hmm. That's where a family can come in and maybe they're new to the disease. Maybe they just got diagnosed and they don't know where to start. What do we do? Right. Mm -hmm. So we do resource um, referral. We do um, navigation, health system navigation, because that can be deaf. That can be one of the biggest barriers yeah. to their quality of life and quality of care is being able to navigate the health system appropriately and also get um, the, the proper, I guess, um, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. insurance and making sure that their coverage for diff covered for different, I mean, that's a whole other, we could probably I mean, have that's a, a lot. That's a lot. You know, that topic there's very alone. little literacy when it comes to that and understanding of all that. Right. And people are so right. scared to ask, right? Oh, I, oh my gosh. Yeah. They don't even know where to begin. And so it's okay. It's okay not to know. It's okay not to know. We mm -hmm. offer a care consultation that you can come in and we can help navigate the system with you. Mm -hmm. We also do um, resource referral for like financial planning so that mm. a lot of times families don't think about that as being an issue until it's time to like pay for care or figure out where the money is going to come from, right? As far as treatment or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so we talk families through that. We help them. We refer them to different entities. Um, mm -hmm. We also do uh, have a 1-800 helpline that mm -hmm. is available 24 seven. That's out of our national office, but on the other line are trained clinicians that can help, that can help families through a crisis situation that can refer them mm -hmm. anywhere in the United States that are even available just to talk. If, if a loved one is overwhelmed and they don't have anyone to talk to, that line is available for people just to call um, and you know, utilize it. Um, we also do respite reimbursement. So if you're a family caregiver and you need a day off because everyone needs a day off, um, maybe you have your own doctor appointments to tend to, um, you can apply with us for a respite reimbursement up to, I believe it's up to $500 a year that will reimburse you to pay for a caregiver to come in and watch your loved one, take care of your loved one while you go out and, you know, 
take, take some time for yourself. It's really important. I mean, Mm -hmm. oftentimes we, we way too often we see caregivers actually pass away before the person with the disease, because it's usually a spouse who Mm -hmm. themselves are probably having their own ailments that they're battling and Mm -hmm. um, they get kind of forgotten and lost in the system and in the process. And they end up passing away before the person with the disease. That's so difficult. You know, know. and this, yeah. yeah, And there's so many people that I mean, don't, there aren't aware that these services exist, right. They don't, they don't know that there's help. I think that's the biggest thing. We're yeah. a really lean. When I say lean, we're a lean mm-hmm. organization in that, for example, I'm not going to name any other nonprofit names, but there are some nonprofits in central New Mexico that only serve central New Mexico that have 30 plus employees at their office. We have a staff of 14 and we serve the whole state. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to grow. And that's why I'm so grateful you asked me to be on Oscar because I think <laughs> it is so important that yeah. community members like yourself help us get the word out there because we never yeah. know who is going to hear it and who is going to need the resources and didn't know we were, we were there. So we do our mm-hmm. best with our mm-hmm. budget, with our staff to get the message out there that we exist and that the resources are out there and we can help, yeah. but uh, we can't do it alone. So <laughs> thank you. No, absolutely. You know, and uh, I'm grateful for the fact that you all exist. Uh, you know, it's something that, again, is very important. Everyone goes through this um, to some extent. Uh, I, I firmly believe that everyone knows someone, you know, that is impacted by this. So uh, it's good work. How can people get involved um, to help? Yeah. yeah. So that's a great question. Um, we are a volunteer health organization. So mm-hmm. We are always looking for volunteers to to volunteer, to maybe lead a support group or to um, get trained to teach an, a dementia education class, right? Mm-hmm. Or to volunteer on one of our event planning committees, like the Walk to End Alzheimer's. So our mm-hmm. walk has a planning committee of about 30 people. And obviously we're always trying to grow the walk. So we need more volunteers to join and bring their ideas and bring their um, networks and contacts to just help us expand that effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess the first way to get involved is to call us and and, and volunteer. Um, I will definitely send you all of my, do you want me to read the number now? Yeah, absolutely. In case people are just just listening. Yeah. So the number, I'll also link everything, but yes, if you're listening, you know, here you go. Yep. So I'm going to give out actually my, uh, this is how involved in my community I am. I'm not going to give you guys a hotline or anything like that. I'm going to give you my personal line because if you're wanting to volunteer, I definitely want to talk to you. Um, 505-404-9849. And that is my office line. So I hope anyone that's out there who wants to get involved, Mm -hmm. please call me. I will definitely make the time to take your call. Um, And so that's the first way people can get involved. The other way they can get involved is just to fundraise for us, plan a fundraiser, um, register for the walk, right? Start a walk team with your company, with your friends, with your Mm -hmm. colleagues, Mm -hmm. with your family and plan some really cool fundraisers. I mean, we have um, actually we had one of our newest fundraising teams planned a a garage sale, a community yard sale, and they made over $5,000 just by collecting people. They put it out on Facebook, like, Hey, donate your stuff. Do you have junk lying around, you know, donate Mm -hmm. it to us and we're going to do a community yard sale. And they collected, 
I mean, at least 25 tables worth of stuff. And then they, they, they did the community yard sale and it made almost five grand. So it doesn't have to be that large, that, that large scale of an event, but it could be as easy as a bake sale or a, or a wine tasting at your house or something, you know, and you give the proceeds to, to us. So that's another way you can get involved. And then Mm -hmm. there's two other ways. I'm almost done. Sorry. No, no, (laughs) Um, the the more the merrier. Yeah. Become an advocate, join our aim um, group, which is our uh, Alzheimer's action. Um, I guess it's our, it's I our, it was um, Amer- um, uh, you know, AOL instant messenger. It's that's not what that means. No, 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 no. <laughs> no yeah, AIM. I actually don't know what it means. This is, oh my gosh, our public policy director is going to kill me. I don't know what it stands for. It's aim. It's our Alzheimer's it's action. So, oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. Um, Basically, it's our Mm -hmm. advocacy branch where you would pledge to be an advocate and you would work with our public policy branch to talk to elected officials about the issues face that were that the people facing this disease are facing and then you try to help us get legislation passed so we need as many mm-hmm. advocates as we can get to stand up in support of bills to That's sit awesome. down with their with their elected you know representatives or their state senators or even our us congressmen and, and senators yeah, and yeah. talk to them about the issues that, you know, we're trying to address. So that's the third way. And then the fourth way, <laughs> almost done, is to get involved with trial match. So we actually do clinical trials. And so if you have the disease or you know someone that has the disease and you want to mm-hmm. be a part of the future as far as finding a treatment cure prevention, give us a call, join our trial match and become um, a, one of our individuals that help us do our clinical trials that's amazing that's really awesome there's a ton of stuff that people can do that's wonderful and then uh the walks is is coming up right in october you said correct yeah the walks are coming up across the state we have seven walks across the state then the one in albuquerque and i'm not sure where your listeners are uh oscar so i won't go into all of them but yeah you can basically just visit alz.org slash walk and look up New Mexico and you can find all seven walks there. So that's alz.org slash walk and you can find them all there. But the Albuquerque walk is going to be on October 9th at Mariposa Basin Park. Okay. Okay. But if they go to the, that website, they can look in the respective cities and states as well. Yep. That's, if you have listeners that's awesome. are in yeah. other cities in New Mexico or even other states, right? You can yeah. go to that website and find the the area that you want to walk in and see when and where that walk will be. Perfect. That's, that's wonderful, you know, and um, I couldn't thank you enough to really for coming on here and, you know, sharing your experience. Um, with all of this as well as you know what you do and what the organization does it's um it's really good work you know it's it's needed work so I know uh, many of my listeners will will really appreciate it as well as myself oh Oscar I am just I'm very grateful thank you it means not a lot just to me personally as friends that go back to high school but um (laughs) professionally and also just the community like mm-hmm. our constituents our volunteers our staff we thank you for um inviting me to come on and talk about our organization and yeah. and and ways that people can get involved but also what our impact has been so thank you so much it's been so nice chatting with you and seeing you absolutely um so we'll we'll debrief hereafter but if you guys are listening thank you so much for listening we love you guys take care bye